Bookworm Banquet, Episode 4. Radio CSS Media. Your source for family-centered content. RadioCSS.com Hello everyone, welcome to Bookworm Banquet, where we are striving to satisfy your literary cravings. I'm your host, JD. And I'm your host, Nicole. Glad to be back doing another author interview in this episode. So we're looking forward to uh, covering the book we're going to review today. Yeah, it seems like a lot's been going on lately, but we are back with another episode. And and it feels good to be behind the mics again and bringing some more uh, wholesome reading to you guys. Yeah, today we definitely have a book that is... uh, a very inspirational book, very much a um, book for the family, for everybody, from mom, dad, to the kids. It's just a feel-good book, and really looking forward to reviewing it. And, of course, we have Nicole's uh, Bookworm Fact a little later on, and um, I'm going to be giving you a bookworm tip in this episode as well. And we also have some listener feedback that we're going to share with you a little later on as well. Well, the book we're going to talk about today is called Hope Rising, and it's by Kim Meter. And it was published by Multnomah Publishers uh, back in January of 2005. And as we stated in previous episodes, we are not always going to take a look at current releases. So we wanted to uh, bring this book to you because we heard about it a few months ago. And um, we wanted to check this book out and and let you know what we thought of it. And so we're going to be talking about this book, Hope Rising. And then a little later on, we'll hear from Kim herself. Yeah, this book, even though it was published in 2005, it's still very relevant because what she talks about in this book is still ongoing. This is a true story based on a ranch that she owns. And just to give you a very quick summary, um, the story tells about transforming an abandoned rock quarry into Crystal Peaks Youth Ranch, where Kim Meter and her husband Troy created the perfect match. It was a rundown property filled with broken horses, all to love hurting children and families. Follow a horse where no one else can tread through the minefield of pain that surrounds a broken child's soul. From a mistreated horse to an emotionally starved child and back again, a torrent of love revives their barren places. In the presence of unconditional love, a mute girl speaks for the first time. A defiant teenager teaches a horse to trust again and opens his heart, his own heart to love. A rescued horse gives a dying man his last wish. A battered girl finds love and protection in the friendship of a battered horse. Come visit a place where the impossible flourishes, where dreams survive the infernal reality, a place where hope rises. That sounds like a lot of information to pack into um, one story, but indeed that's exactly what Kim Meter has done with this hope rising. And there is a lot of stories in this book, and I kind of liken it to sort of a chicken soup style of book. There, It's broken down into short stories, very readable chapters, and um, the way that it's written is very snapshot-like. It's not a very linear narrative, but it's broken down into chapters where you can just sit down and read for a few minutes and get through a chapter. Some of them are only a couple of pages long, and so it's really easy to just pick up this book when you have a few minutes here and there, and and like you said, Nicole, it's good for the whole family. So you could even, you know, sit together as a family in an evening and read a, a few pages of this book. And, and they're great inspirational stories. 
Yeah, I think what's most inspiring about these stories is the fact that they are indeed true. And I will warn those of you that will pick up this book to read it to have a box of tissue next to you because this is a very moving um, book. The stories are not always pretty, but they usually end very well. Um, Just to kind of give you a little background, she runs a ranch for rescued horses. And these horses come from very dire, very dramatic, very terrible um, places where they've been abused or they've been starved or, you know, they're just, um, they need rescuing or they're going to die. And so she goes out and finds these horses, brings them to her ranch to basically save them. And then she brings in like inner city kids or kids that are hurting or struggling themselves. And she hooks them up with a horse that they take care of. And the stories she tells really are about the human you know, bonding with these animals. And it really is a very moving story because you have these tortured and broken down horses that connect with, you know, abused and broken down children and just the healing process that happens. As you mentioned, the place is called Crystal Peaks Youth Ranch and it's in the state of Oregon. And these are all true stories that have happened and you know, sometimes as I was going through this book, it's like, wow, how many? I mean, it, some of these stories are just almost unbelievable. The way the way these circumstances come together and this this process begins to happen, as you mentioned, with the the horse and this child just connecting with one another in in such a way that uh, it's just jaw dropping at some points. Yeah, and it's not always about children either. She there are moments with um. Like in the summary, an older man that's dying connects with a horse and just some other things. And it's just amazing the healing process that seems to happen not only for the human, but also for the horse itself. These horses make remarkable recoveries coming out of some of the situations that they've come out of. Yeah, and you'll hear a couple of the stories a little later on uh, in our interview with Kim Meter. But the title kind of says it all, Hope Rising, the the, the theme and the prevailing thread that runs through this this collection of stories is about hope and no matter what the circumstances may look like you know there's always hope through Jesus and uh, it's a great it's a great collection of stories that really really gets you thinking yeah it's a very faith oriented book kim meter has a very strong faith in god and she bases um almost every story on you know, God moving in situations. And there are several instances in the book where it's just miraculous some of the things that happened when it came to providing financially or providing, you know, for things that were needed around the ranch, not to, you know, mention the um, healings that take place in this story emotionally and stuff. So she really gives credit to God in this book. And that's another reason why it's a great family story. Like we mentioned, it really makes you start thinking about maybe you, maybe you can relate to some of these situations that have happened to some of these these kids, or uh, if you are a a horse lover, you know this is a great book that you will definitely want to get a hold of. We really recommend it because even if you're not a horse lover, if you sit down and you just enjoy reading just inspiring stories that you know almost all of them have some sort of a resolution, a happy ending to them. And I'm sure that there are stories that have happened to them in their day-to-day life on this ranch that don't always have a happy ending, but she's chosen good stories here that help you think and 
realize that there is always hope no matter what's going on. Right. If you have um, any uh, heart for animals, whether it be a horse or any other type of animal, this is definitely the book for you. She really brings them to life. And um, I would definitely recommend this book for anyone that is interested, as you said, in an inspiring story, happy endings. Um, there are a few moments where it may not end happy, but Kim has a way in her writing of really pulling out the good, even in the bad. Uh, some sad moments happen, but when you're done, you don't feel sorry necessarily as much as you just have this feeling that, you know what, things are going to get better. And so I really enjoyed her writing. She writes very um, optimistically, I guess is the best way to put it. Yes. And as we mentioned, the writing style is a little different. It's not a continuous flowing story. And to some that may be not the kind of story that you, or not the kind of book that you would normally read. So you might have to, you know, Take a different approach when you sit down to read this book, but I do I do think it's definitely worth your while. Yeah, the book is not written in a chronological order, so if you go into it thinking that you're going to read about this is how the ranch started and then these are the horses we brought in and then these are the children that came, you're going to be disappointed. What it is is she just takes glimpses and you may read about a horse from the very beginning and then she'll tell a story about her childhood. And so it's all interwoven. And by the time you're done, you have a pretty good idea of what's happened. But do understand that it is written. um, You're just getting glimpses. You're not getting a full linear story. Right. So overall, we highly recommend this book. It's a it's an easy read. You can sit down and, and I mean, if you want to read the entire thing, you can probably read the whole thing in a few hours because it's very easily digestible. And uh, we, we would recommend it, like we said, to, to all age groups. And uh, I think it appeals to a, a wide audience. And um, as for a rating, I would give this book a four out of five. And... Um, Again, I highly recommend Hope Rising. Please don't be turned off by the fact that it's about horses and a ranch. Um, If you're not into that kind of stuff, I think that all of us are interested in compassion and hope and love. And um, that's definitely a reason to read this book. So I would rate this book um, also a four out of five. She did a very good job portraying the title of the story, Hope Rising. You do feel the hope rise throughout this book. And now give a listen to our interview with Kim Meter. She is the co-founder of Crystal Peaks Youth Ranch. Well, today we're talking with Kim Meter, author and co-founder of Crystal Peaks Youth Ranch. We're going to be discussing her book, Hope Rising, that was uh, published in 2005. But before we get to the book, Kim, I'd just like to get a little bit of background on on the ranch and um, just some of the things that drew you to eventually write these books that you've written, a couple of them you've written since this book. So you purchased this property, about nine acres of property, an abandoned rock quarry back in the mid-90s. And how did this ranch evolve from this small family property into this full-fledged business with employees and 25 to 30 horses on the property? You know, J.D., everyone comes from somewhere and everyone's been through something And because we serve a living, risen Savior, God does not waste one single day of all the hardships and suffering and heartaches that we faced in the past. When I was a child, I remember being picked up by my dad's best friend and driven out to my grandparents' house. And during that drive, 
I knew that something horrific had happened. And we drove into my grandparents' driveway, and it was all full of parked cars, and and you could just feel sorrow coming from the house. And I remember as a nine-year-old girl thinking, I don't want to go in that house. Please, please don't make me go in. And just being taken by my shoulders and pushed through the door, and, and the house was full of all these crying people. And and I remember this woman trying to comfort me, and she was just out of control crying, and she just kept saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. I don't know what to tell you. Your dad has just murdered your mother and killed himself. I'm sorry. Mm. And I just looked up in her face, and my first thought was, you're a liar, because that cannot be true. And I just pushed off her chest and ran out the door and just ran and ran and ran until I finally fell down on the ground and just started screaming, Jesus, help me. Will you help me now? And at that point, I didn't even know who Jesus was. I'd been to church like twice in my life. And what I now know is that the Lord of all creation came down and knelt in the dirt beside a breaking child and took the little hand that was reaching up to him, and he has never let go. Um, In the days that followed, I knew even as a kid that seeing my parents' broken bodies was an image that no child should have in their head. And I told my grandmother, I'm not going. And in her wisdom, she said, oh, honey, you don't have to go. And I opted instead to ride horses with my cousins. And in my mind, I was going to get on that horse and just gallop away and never come back. I'd lost everything. And yet, because of God in his mercy, he is a God redemption. And there is nothing we will ever face in this life that Jesus Christ cannot redeem. Mm -hmm. And in my effort to run away on the back of a horse, I ran right into the arms of the mercy of God, and between a little horse with really crooked front legs and the love of Christ, my life was saved. And I couldn't have known during those years of hardship and and working through my grief that through that time, that would become the figurehead of everything God had in store, of knowing relief and refuge in the back of a horse. To fast forward now... um, I married my husband. We moved to Central Oregon. Once somebody's had horses in their life and they don't, their life is kind of ruined until they do again. And, <laughs> and so I started uh, volunteering at this breeding ranch, and, and it was an Arab breeding ranch. And the atrocities that I saw left me coming home almost every day thinking, someday this has got to change and someone's got to do something. This is so terrible. These horses are starving to death, and I know about it. And rest assured, in this life, there will come a time when someday is today and someone is you. And so we rescued the first two horses, one of which was missing 350 pounds. This horse was so emaciated that I could not put my closed fist between her front legs. There should be Mm. a space there where a body exists. And I, the second horse was a horse that I saw the owner beat so badly that he had to call a vet to come and sew up her face. Oh, good grief. Those were the first two horses to come to our ranch. And it was no ranch. It was a hole in the ground. And once again, because our God is, is the God of the redeemed, he took this broken property, which was being mined for cinders. I tried to write about it in the book, no trees, no grass, no soil, 
people giggle and laugh and say, oh, I'm from some hole in the ground in Arkansas. And I think, no, honey, I live in a hole in the ground. You really need to come and see it. And so I live on a hillside, and the whole upper half of our property has been cut away as they've mined for cinders. My husband, as a landscape contractor, started bringing home all these broken and lost and unwanted trees, and we started planting them around this pit to help restore the land and brought in all this organic material and all the other ranches' waste products to just cover the floor of the rock so that this pit could restore itself. And during this process of this broken property filled with all these broken trees, and then the broken horses came, in the hands of Jesus Christ, it was like taking broken pieces of glass and refitting them together to become something beautiful and powerful in the lives of the people who came. And we started seeing that all these broken pieces refit in the hands of God became the perfect place to heal the hearts of broken kids. And the kids started coming, and they weren't even kids that we knew. Troy and I were volunteering at a youth group, and we told them that we'd rescued these horses, and these kids had told their friends and their friends and their friends, and pretty soon these kids are coming, and we didn't even know them. And they all look the same. They come up just wringing their hands and looking everywhere but at us and saying, um, 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 we heard you had horses that needed help, and we just wanted to help. Can we come and help? Yeah, come on in. And so far beyond our ability to understand or to plan, the Lord just started enacting his purpose. In your own words, how would you, what would you say was the purpose of the ranch? I would have to say, Nicole, that at that point, it wasn't even a ranch. It was a ruined piece of property with two ruined horses filled with ruined trees. And, and our purpose was just to help somehow in our meager way to bring healing to all these things. And before the Lord, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips those that he's called. He doesn't need our gifts and our talents and our abilities. We don't have any. What he needs is a willing heart. And for us to just show up in the morning and say, God, here's our two hands. Can you use them? And he says, yep, that's enough. And that's really how things got started, is that these kids started coming, and they weren't coming for what they could get. The horses weren't rideable. They weren't even trained. They weren't strong enough to carry a rider. We started seeing that these kids were coming for what they could give. And in their efforts of making the horses better, the kids themselves started getting better. And I had the privilege of watching one astounding instance after another, which really led me to believe I must build a place for this to happen every day. That is phenomenal. That's a great story. And it you did detail it in the book a little more. And so uh, one of the things that we are wondering is now we're many years later from that beginning, there's a lot of activity going on, like we said, so you have several employees. and So what does a, a typical day at the ranch for Kim Meter look like? <laughs> it looks different every single day, and that's one reason why I love my job so much. It, I call it a job, but really, God knows it's my joy. I can tell you that the first day on the ranch happened in 1995, and on that day, um, it was a snowing, it was a, a typical 
uh, spring morning in Central Oregon. It was snowing sideways, and this one girl and I were working together, and this girl was so devastated that she never spoke. She could speak. She was so broken inside that she chose not to, and she was way down deep in her heart. And and I remember we were building a fence that day and carrying these logs on our shoulders up and down a hillside, and and this girl was just the epitome of sorrow. I don't know that I've ever seen a girl who had the appearance of such sorrow, but she was as close to an albino as I've ever seen. And she had long white hair, and her skin was so translucent, it was almost blue. And she had really flat gray eyes. And I remember looking back at her as we were working in this snowstorm, and she had all this hair just frozen across her face. And, and I thought, ah, oh, Kim, you're just torturing this poor girl. And so I said, Jessica, honey, let's go up in the house and warm up. I have a long-distance phone call to make, and I'll make you some tea, and we'll dry out. And her response to me was shaking her head, no, I will not come with you. And we kind of went back and forth. If you get cold, will you come up in the house? And she nodded her head, yes, I understand. And so I went up and made the call, and it went much longer than I expected. And I had one of those mother's moments of, oh, my gosh, she's still out in the storm, and, and went and looked out the window. And at that time, we had the battered horse and the starving horse. And Jessica, the ranch was one boulder with two halters on it, a hitching post, and a corral. That was the ranch. <laughs> we had nothing. We didn't even own a saddle at that time. And this broken girl had gone and gotten a halter off that boulder and taken out the starving horse and brought her out and tied her to the hitching post. And they were sitting with their heads really close together. I should say Jessica was sitting on the hitching post, and the horse was tied in front of her. And I just... I was looking down the horse's back, um, and Jessica was sitting right in front of the horse. I couldn't see what they were doing, and I got off the phone and just started watching. That, Lord, what am I seeing? What are they doing? And pretty soon Jessica sat up straight, and the horse's head pulled back, and I could just see that this girl who never spoke was just talking and talking to this horse. Years and years of words that no one had ever heard. This horse could go where no one was allowed. And it was like watching the starving girl reaching out to the starving horse and back again. This understanding and love that flowed between them. And it was like watching two mirrored halves of a bridge come together. That each one understood the other better than anyone could understand either one. Because they lived parallel lives. And that was the moment and the day that I made the decision to build a ranch for children and horses. And I must tell you that what God continues to do in this ranch just defies all reason and logic. And it's because of Him, and it is for Him. And I have seen account after account after account of miracles that there's no explanation other than God is here and he's endowed these horses to understand so much more than we ever thought possible. And I started writing books about the things that I've seen. And those books are Hope Rising and A Bridge Called Hope. Well, you definitely get the feeling in your books that um, there are extraordinary things that happen at this ranch. And I have to tell you that while reading your book, um, I don't know how many times I cried. 
<laughs> a lot of them were good moments of tears, but there were several moments where my heart just broke. And it makes me wonder, do you ever ask yourself why why you do this? Because for all the joy that comes, there are a lot of very poignant moments of heartbreak that you deal with. You've lost some horses. There were some very, I can't imagine what it must be to go out and actually see these horses. You chronologue, um, watching one horse, you would go out every few weeks and months to try to get this horse and they would give it to you. And you're watching this horse basically starve to death. Right. And I just, do you ever wonder, is it worth it? You know, that's a great question, and I've made many, many mistakes. But through the last 16 years of running this ranch, um, we've been involved in the rescue now of more than 300 horses, and and I'm learning as I go. And, Nicole, what I've learned is that I must focus on what I can do. We cannot save every child. We cannot save every horse. No person can do everything. There is only one and none of us are him, and he is God. Jesus Christ is the only one who can, who can save all. I have to focus on the handful that I can save, and that is what pulls me forward. Um, and so that is my, my joy, is, is to stay very focused and not look to the right or the left and focus on what I can do to make a difference. And that really feeds my heart and fuels me forward to stay strong and straight and stand firm before the Lord. So what brought you to the point to begin to write down these experiences that you had been having with the, the horses and with the children? Was it just a, a, a need to, to get this message out to a, a larger audience? Or what, why did you decide to write the book? You know, um, J.D., I can tell you that I started sharing with uh, family and friends the things that I was seeing and what God was doing, and through this roller coaster of laughter and tears and laughter and tears, I was at a, a dinner gathering one night, and the host said, you know, Kim, share with the guests, you know, this story and that story, and the same effect happened, lots of laughter, lots of tears, and, and one of the guests kept looking at his wife back and forth, and Finally, I said, okay, what's up? And he said, you don't know who I am, do you? And I said, well, of course not. I just met you a few hours ago. And he said, I'm the president of a publishing company, and you need to write this down, and you're going to be saying this across the nation someday. And so that was the beginning of me uh, writing these stories out and, and seeing them exactly as he said across the nation, that everyone who reads these stories would know that because of Jesus Christ, no matter what we face, there is always hope, and we can choose His hope every minute of every day. Well, it's a very appropriate title for your book. You definitely feel the hope when you're reading it. And um, with that in mind, was there a particular audience that you had in mind when you started writing? I know that um, this kind of all just came together, but was there a particular group of people you were hoping to reach, or did you just want to reach everybody? You know... Our world is getting darker and darker by the day, and hope is like, it's like light and darkness, and when someone is going through a very terrible and dark time, a very small amount of hope can be enough to light the way towards freedom and release. And when I wrote this book, I did not have a targeted audience in mind, because hope, I think, is universal, and as our world changes, 
that shouldn't be confined to just one group of people. And so to answer your question, nope, not really. (laughs) Just anybody that could be touched by it. I've had some wonderful and humorous conversations, and one man in particular who was a Navy SEAL at the time, and he said, I am so mad at you. I got your book, and I sat down on a plane between two little grandmas and sat there, and, you know, I'm a Navy SEAL. I'm dressed in my uniform, and I cried and cried, and these grandmothers are handing me their little um, woven hankies, and, oh, dear, you're going to be just fine. (laughs) And I think that that lends itself to the depth of compassion to the person who reads the book. You wouldn't cry if you didn't have a compassionate and tender heart. Then I must be overflowing with compassion. <laughs> you must be. <laughs> Why did you choose to write in in that short story kind of a snapshot writing style as opposed to more of a, a linear narrative type of writing style? You know, I've done both to answer your question. The first book um, is very, very quick, very short stories. Um, I know that many families, time is of the essence, and so I thought that those would be potentially a little bit easier for for families to manage. And actually, the second book has half as many stories that are twice as long and much more narrative and detailed. And to be honest, I'm, I'm learning how to write, and I'm learning what works and what doesn't. And so the books are completely opposite in their style of writing, and so... Um, I'm learning, I think, what is effective for each story. Well, I think that for a first book, using the snapshot writing style um, was enough to get people very, very interested into what you're doing. And so I look forward to reading your next book because it's just got my interest peaked. Mm, thank you. I can tell you that, Nicole, you're not the only one. After Hope Rising came out, we were contacted by tens of thousands of people and this book has gone around the world. It's been translated into German and just recently into Chinese. And we've been contacted by hundreds of people who have all said almost the same thing. And, oh, my gosh, you're living my dream. I never knew it was possible until now. Will you show me how to do the same thing? And then starting in 2005, we started teaching two information clinics a year of just teaching other people how to start their own ranch to serve children in need with horses. And as of today, over 200 of these ranches have been started across the United States and Canada, and there are seven in foreign countries, which just lends itself to the glory of our Lord and what He can do with our little gift of loaves and fishes. That is amazing. Absolutely amazing. I know that when you read this book, you definitely walk away with the feeling of, what can I do? You know, how, how can I help? That's the greatest gift that we have, that the last thing, it was so important, the last thing that Jesus said on this earth is, love God the most, love each other, and spread the hope of who I am. He wasn't asking or suggesting. This is a command. He's commanding us. You know that I've gifted each human being with something extraordinary. And, and we look at our life and we say, really? Uh, who am I and what do I have? And yet God will use whatever we give. He could save a life with something as small as a card, a phone call, a letter, a hug, a kiss, an email, a, a plate of cookies, a, a handful of flowers, even a smile. 
on this ranch, and because of Christ, we've seen a life be redeemed with nothing more than a smile that was dedicated to the Lord. God will use whatever we give, but He can't. We can't use that if we choose not to give it. And when we give nothing, that's exactly what happens in our heart and in the hearts of those the Lord is calling us to serve. But if we give something, even a little thing, we open the door wide for God to do amazing things through us because it's from Him, and it's all from Him to be given back to Him. Well, Kim, if our listeners want to get involved or find out more information about the Crystal Peaks Youth Ranch, uh, where would they go online to find that? You know, we have a very extensive website, and it's www.crystalpeaksyouthranch.org. I actually looked up your website, and um, it's a beautiful website, very well put together. I don't know how many, how long I sat there looking at the pictures of the horses and the kids and the ranch, and um, it definitely gives you a, it's a like I said, a beautiful website. It gives you a feeling of this ranch really does what it sets out to do, and that is to give hope to people. Mm, thank you. A lot of effort has gone into it, and I can tell you half of the website is actually offline right now and being rewritten. The ranch is growing so quickly, and so much is happening that um, information that's, that's even a year old is too old. And so we're trying to renovate it, and I appreciate <laughs> your, your confidence in that. Well, again, the book is called Hope Rising, Stories from the Ranch of Rescued Dreams. And Kim, uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us here on the Bookworm Banquet Podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. I just am grateful to you both, and I just will pray for you today that God will just work through you today. Thank you. Thank you, Kim. Nicole, do you have a bookworm fact for us today? You know what, J.D., I do. And now for something completely different. And now it's time for Nicole's Bookworm Fact. I have a bookworm fact about a very famous author that we are all familiar with. He is considered um, in history to be probably the greatest writer of all time. And just by me saying that, I'm sure you know who it is. William Shakespeare author known to all of us, whether you've read his stuff or not. All I have to do is say Romeo and Juliet or Hamlet or Macbeth, and those those titles automatically bring to mind this man. He has written 37 plays and 154 sonnets, and I found out some very interesting things about him that I wanted to share with you listeners today. Um, for a man that wrote so much and gave so much to the world, surprisingly very little is known about his actual life. There are two periods of his life that they consider the lost years, and they're from 1578 to 1582, and from 1585 to 1592, where absolutely almost nothing is known about his life during those times, so they call them the lost years. In fact, so very little is known about William Shakespeare that they don't even actually have his birth date. They believe he was born sometime in April. In fact, they say it's April 23rd. But because he was born under the Julian calendar and we go by the Gregorian calendar, his birthday could be anywhere between April 23rd and May 3rd. So it's just kind of interesting that we can't even really pinpoint his birth date. They do know that he was married and that he had children, but supposedly all his children died and um, there was nobody left on to carry on the Shakespeare name. Now, all of that said, 
um, very little known about his personal life and who he was and what he did outside of the fact that he wrote, one of the things that he did give us was 1,700 new words. This blew my mind. I knew that William Shakespeare had invented some words, but I did not realize that he had actually invented almost 1,700 words that we use in the English language. And, um, some of them he is known for actually inventing. Some of them he's known for having made popular. Words such as assassination, he was the first to use that word. He also invented the word critic, dishearten, hobnob, swagger, and zany. Just some random words that we hear and use all the time. He also is known for coining some very famous phrases that you may use on a regular basis and not realize that William Shakespeare actually invented them. Uh, phrases such as all that glitters isn't gold. Um, waiting with bated breath. He actually came up with that to break the ice when we talk about, you know, we got to break the ice. He came up with that. Um, dead as a doornail. He was the first to use that phrase as well. Elbow room, good riddance, a wild goose chase, love is blind, and forever and a day are all phrases invented by William Shakespeare. And I just thought that was very interesting because for an a writer from the 1500s, we think sometimes that his work is obsolete, and yet we now we realize we use his words and his phrases all the time. Wow, that is so interesting. I had never heard that before. Yeah, it really surprised. I knew that he had invented some words, but the more research I did, the more it just astounded me. Wow, that is amazing. I'm going to have to dig out my uh, copy of the complete works of Shakespeare and, and read through it again just to <laughs> take a look at that stuff again. I actually found some very interesting websites that sh will tell you exactly what plays those phrases are from. Okay. And we can put a link to, in the show notes to those websites. We will have to do that. And JD, what's your bookworm tip today? Better than a game of Barcheesy Solitaire. Now it's time for JD's bookworm tip. Well, my bookworm tip today is a, a really cool website that I found. It's called readersread.com and it's just the only way I can describe it is is like an online repository of all kinds of information regarding authors and books and book reviews and just a ton of information just this huge database and they have um, author interviews essays book reviews they've got uh, listings to famous authors and where you can find out more information about those authors, a full directory of authors. They have the uh, bestseller lists of the major uh, news organizations and just a huge, like I said, a huge database of all kinds of information. Um, and they have RSS feeds so you can subscribe to their content as they make it available. So I just thought it was very interesting. Lots of information for people who love to read and love to find out more about the authors of the books that they like. And so readersread.com is my uh, tip for this episode. That sounds fascinating. I'm definitely going to have to uh, try that website out because that sounds right up my alley. Yeah, they, they also have a few blogs, so um, they, they post content very regularly. So, Well, we also have some listener feedback. I'm very excited when we get listener feedback. So um, we're going to read a few of those today. We had a feedback from an anonymous person who said... Bookworm Banquet Episode 3, Ballad of the Northland, is the uh, comment that they left. Uh, their comment was about this episode. They said, great job. I enjoy so much all your work at CSS Media. Keep it coming. We're listening. 
I have never heard of Google Books. I'm going to check it out. Thank you. Well, thank you, Anonymous, for leaving your comment on the website. We appreciate hearing from our listeners, and uh, it uh, it really is encouraging when we hear from them just to you know let us know that people are listening. I mean, we can see from the stats that there are people listening, but it's nice to connect with our listeners, so we appreciate that. Yes, we definitely um, enjoy reading the feedback and the emails. And, J.D., I think you have an email, don't you? Yeah, Margie emailed in, and she said, I enjoyed your interesting comments and opinions on Jason Barron's book. Thank you also for your interview with him. As a reader, knowing some of these tidbits about his writing process enriched the reading. I purchased the audiobook also. Based on his comments, I will be starting that soon. Ballad is not a book that can be read only once. And uh, I totally agree with that. And I emailed back to Margie and told her that, you know, we felt the same way. It's, it's a book that you're, you'll want to kind of stop and think about for a while and then maybe pick up a, a few months or a year later and just read it again just to see what else you can get from that story. And um, Margie also has a, a blog that um, she gave me permission to link to. So I thought you might be interested in checking that out. She has a really, really good review of uh, – Ballad of the Northland that uh, you also might be interested in in, in uh, reading. So her blog is at Librarian's Quest, and uh, we'll link to that in the show notes as well. Yes, and uh, don't forget that we would love to hear from all of you. Our contact info and everything can be found on our website, obviously, bookwormbanquet.com, or you can email us at feedback at bookwormbanquet.com. Um, email us, leave us a comment, and we'll read it on our show. Definitely. And if you'd like, you can also uh, give a call to our listener feedback line. That number is 623-688-2770. And um, you can get to hear your voice on the show as well. And so we'll play your, your feedback on, the, on a future episode. So you get to hear somebody else besides just us two. <laughs> Oh, yes, absolutely. And don't forget our website, bookwormbanquet.com. Show notes will be up and all the information that you need about our episodes and upcoming episodes you will find there. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bookworm Banquet is a production of Radio CSS Media.